RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to Reality Check Radio with Marie. And joining me now from Australia is Rebecca Barnett, journalist, and she has recently published an article in The Spectator Australia, scientists shocked and alarmed at what's in the mRNA shots. Good morning, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, Marie. I'm great. I'm feeling especially grateful to not have taken any of these shots. This article is, if you've not read it, it is available on The Spectator. I'll make sure that the lovely lizard inbox at realitycheck.radio has the link. It is actually um, available to see for free. This blew my mind when I saw this. So explain to us the background of what prompted you to write the story and what is the shocking and alarming things inside these mRNA vials. Yeah, sure. Earlier this year, there was there's a scientist called Kevin McKernan. He's a genomic scientist. He used to work on the Human Genome Project. He runs a a cannabis genomics science lab in Boston. He was doing an experiment and he his controls weren't behaving. So he uh, went and someone had sent him some vials of the mRNA shots, which still had the tampasils intact and had been in properly stored. And he went and fished them out because they knew, oh, the contents of these, we know what they are. We know they'll perform reliably as a control. So he set it all up, did the test, and he was completely shocked to find that there was contaminant DNA fragments in these vials. He ran the experiment again, found more fragment DNA. He ended up running it on lot in, in lots of different formats because he uh, uh, he explains that, you know, you run it one way, it shows a certain amount, you run it another way, it can, you know, so you've got to cross-check all these different ways of testing the contamination. I think he did about 10 in the end and just and determined, yeah, these are contaminated with fragment DNA, plasmid DNA, that shouldn't be there. It's in levels far higher than the regulators allow. Uh, so he started putting this on Twitter and his Substack and calling out could other independent labs reproduce his results? Because obviously the first thing he wanted to know is are these just freak vials or is this happening around the world? Is this in lots of vials or just mine? His vials had been sent to him anonymously, so there was also a motivation to see if this could be replicated in vials that had an established chain of custody where you could prove that even though he had the evidence, he's got the photographic evidence that the tamper seals had not been um, tampered with, broken, and he also had... um, uh, ever, he, he'd also done degradation testing on the mRNA inside the vial, so he knew that what was in there had not been, you know, sub- was not substantially altered from what it would have been when it was first distributed because he did that degradation testing and found that the contents were all tickety-boo. A Senate hearing that happened a few weeks ago with a, another guy called Philip Bacoltz. Now, Philip Bacoltz was um, actually first got interested in this from Twitter where he started engaging with Kevin McKernan saying, oh, surely that can't be the case. Let me check for myself. So he did check, which is what scientists are supposed to do. And to his surprise, he found that McKernan was right and that these vials or his vials additionally were contaminated and Philip Bacoltz has can prove chain of custody because he got his from the pharmacy that he's associated with both of these scientists, where were they in regards to the 
their belief or scepticism or not of the vaccines and the rollout? Were they, I mean, they had no reason to believe that there were an issue with either of any of the vials tested? So McKernan's a sceptic. So, you know, you could say, oh, there might be a bit of bias there. I mean, he wasn't looking for contamination and he did, he has consistently said that he was shocked to find it. But I don't think he had a high opinion of the regulators from following the vaccine rollout and the way that they've mishandled data and public messaging. And, you know, being a genomics expert, he was familiar with some of the known risks of this kind of technology. And he didn't, from what I can tell, have a very high opinion of the way that of the way that that was being handled with the rollout, you know, for someone with a genomics background, I, I think he thought that it was all a bit cavalier. You know, he was sceptical. However, Dr. Buckholtz is a pro-vax. He's vaxxed. His ki- he got his kids vaxxed. He's, he was not expecting to reproduce McKernan's findings. So he then went and shared in a Senate hearing in South Carolina what he found and has suggested that the health authorities in South Carolina need to really take this up with the FDA in particular, the regulator in the US, because, you know, they need to determine, like, is this in all the vials or, yeah, and have a look at how it got there, which we can get on to uh, down the track. But even in his Senate hearing, he was very insistent that he thought that this was probably just a mistake and he thinks the technology is wonderful and he's very pro the platform. I mean, I believe Philip Buchholz is in cancer re- uh, research, so he's got high hopes for what you could do with this technology. Well, but he's also a scientist. He's got to say what he sees. Because initially a lot of the work on this mRNA <clears throat> vaccines were in order to deliver highly targeted forms of chemotherapy to cancer yeah. patients. I think that's where a lot of the work had been done prior to this. So he is certainly somebody that would be aware. So what have any of them come out and discussed the possible implications of this contamination? Yeah, for sure. So the major risk, I mean, Kevin, sorry, uh, Philip Bacolt said, I'll just see if I can find the quote. Yeah, he. there is a very real hazard, he said, that the contaminant DNA fragments will integrate with a person's genome and become a permanent fixture of the cell, leading to autoimmune problems and cancers in some people who've had the vaccinations. He also noticed, noted that these genome changes can last for generations. He did also say that he thought that the contaminant DNA in these vaccines may be causing some of the rare but serious side effects like death from cardiac arrest. And then he added, I think there is a real serious regulatory oversight that happened at the federal level. So Dr. Buchholz was quite forthright. Kevin McKernan has linked me with plenty of scientific papers that state that one of the risks of this kind of DNA is genomic integration, and this has been known for quite some time. This is not new information. And there are plenty of other scientists who are voicing this um, concern. Dr. Jancy Lindsay is a toxicologist uh, with similar degrees to I think she's got the same degrees as Philip Buchholz and she expressed the same concern in the Senate hearings also. And then there's a anonymous 
medical slash science expert called Arc Medic, who published a very, um, I mean, it's concerning, but comprehensive article a couple of days ago on the five different mechanisms within these vaccines that can cause genomic integration. So the, the, the DNA is actually just one part of the story, mm. unfortunately. But, yeah, it is, I mean, it's the one that's probably the hardest to deny. Other mechanisms within these mRNA vaccines that might cause genomic integration are more under dispute, whereas this one, there's a body of science already that points to that. What have the outcomes been, for example, of these hearings or contacting of the FDA by these scientists? Because in the United States, they've now just started their full vaccine rollout program for COVID. So have they taken heed of any of this new information or are they ignoring it? Both the Buchholz and McKernan said that they've not heard back from the FDA. McKernan actually presented his findings in a four-minute presentation to the FDA in June. And I asked him, I just published an interview, an in-depth interview with him uh, yesterday actually on my Substack, and I asked him, did you get any response? And his I'll quote, no, absolute crickets. All they could focus on was what the next vaccine should be, which variant they should chase that will be obsolete by the time the next vaccine arrives, end quote. And, you know, this is now four months on. Mm. Um, Philip Buchholz, he said in the Senate hearing that he had forwarded the information to the FDA and had not heard back. So I would say we know that He's gone at least a month with no response. Um, in the TGA, I have I have asked. You so know, that's what, the Australian. That's the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be following them up on this because I've asked a few questions from them. You know, what contamination have you checked? You know, do you check for contamination? Then they and they just always say yes, we do, and no, it's not possible for these risks to happen. These integration risks. However, when I did ask them about the risks of genomic integration, they made some statements that just weren't backed up by any, they didn't link any science to support the statements. They said things like the mRNA doesn't enter the nucleus of the cell. And I had sent them papers that shows that it does, as in empirically demonstrated. And they sent me back a fact page on a website to say that it doesn't. And that was, I'm not, well, I wasn't surprised, but it should it should concern people that the regulator is dealing in fact pages and disregarding empirical uh, evidence in, I think. Yeah, they've done, this is the general kind of way in which the TGA approaches these questions. Uh, I am going to send them, um, we've now got the DNA contamination confirmed in multiple in multiple labs around the world, there's a German lab that just um, uh, produced, uh, published the results about a week ago, and there's another one, Dr. I think it's Sin, Sin Lee. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing it reproduced in multiple different independent labs in different countries, so vials of all different, you know, these, this is not just one stockpile of vials that some um, somewhat nefarious actor has gone and injected with, um, you know, DNA contamination. This is becoming more and more robust. So my so plan is... We, where does this lead into their bad batch theory with these vials? Yeah. Has there been any linkage there or is this is something completely new that there is widespread contamination across 
multiple batches in multiple countries, multiple manufacturing sites, all with this errant DNA? So to the best of my understanding, the contamination levels are different across, you know, some are much higher, some are lower. So, um, I mean, that fits with the idea that the batches are also irregular in terms of their contents. So it's still very much an evolving story. Where is the DNA from? Yeah, so the production process. In there's a if you're on Twitter or X, you'll you might have heard about process one and process two. So in the let's just talk about the Pfizer Pfizer for a sec. So in the Pfizer randomized control trial, they had almost forty four thousand participants. Um, all but 252 of those participants received vaccine made by what's called process one. Process one involved a, I forget what it's called, but anyway, high quality way of producing the mRNA. Process two is what they used to upscale for mass manufacture because it's it was more it's more time consuming and costly to do it the way that they did it for the randomized control trial. Process two involves now I'll do this, I'll try and explain it as best I can in the lay terms, which is essentially growing DNA in E. coli bacteria. From that DNA, they then produce the mRNA or get the mRNA. Then they have to clean the mRNA of the E. coli produced DNA. So they grow now, it in gut bacteria? Yeah. Yep, so they and grow it in gut, gut bacteria, then they give it a good buff and polish and wash? Yeah. And they're supposed to remove pretty much all the DNA. Now, Philip Buckholt said that the way he described it was they they chopped it up into itty-bitty bits, he said, and he said it's like turning a slug, which would be like a full piece of DNA, into little bits of buckshot, so lots of little fragments. The problem is that from the scientist's point of view, that makes the risk of genomic integration higher. You've got all these little bits of buckshot. And I don't, uh, Kevin McKernan referred to billions of these fragments in each shot. So it's a, it's a lot of contaminant. Now, does that mean that that little, that just because there's lots of bits that they'll all integrate? No, that doesn't necessarily, you know, the integration events might be rare, but you've got billions of con- little contaminant pieces in each shot going to billions of people. And if one of those fragments lands in a stem cell or in an egg or in a sperm, that's when you're really talking about genomic you're integration that races. can be passed on to, yeah, that's right. Um, but even if it doesn't land in one of those cells, um, the scientists are saying that it, there's an oncogenic risk, there's mm. um, even just having all of this contamination floating around, that there's the risk of the cardiac event. So that just to come back to process one and process two, it turns out that the product that the whole world received wasn't actually tested in the randomised control trials. So we've got no idea from an RCT perspective of what the impact of the safety and efficacy, well, safety is the main concern here, of a vaccine produced in that way. Now, apparently, and I have not deep dived on this yet, but my understanding is that Moderna was actually produced more similarly to process to Pfizer's process two from the get-go and that and they actually had a higher rate of adverse events if you look at the Freeman paper which um Freeman et al which reanalyzed Moderna and Pfizer's RCTs um 
Moderna actually had a higher adverse event rate, serious adverse event rate. And so there's a question over whether that um, differential is actually due to the contamination. Because I know that uh, pathologists like Ryan Cole has talked about the ability for these clots to form. He wondered whether or not it may have been free-floating cholesterol-type fragments or that allow them to do it. But, I mean, if you're saying that these vials are contaminated with all these little fragments of DNA, that potentially could have been what was causing these clots. I guess no one will know until further studying and testing is um, taken out. Yeah, which is what the scientists are calling for. They're just saying we need to know. So what we know is they're finding it in the vials. What they don't know is does this contaminant DNA then persist in the bodies of vaccinated people and is it genomically integrating? So those are the things that need to be tested now. Mm. It's quite likely that it persists because they're wrapped in these LMPs and just getting ferried everywhere. Because we know from the um, distribution studies that the LNPs are going just about everywhere. Mm. Well, now, what about this legal case that I know that's going on in Australia? And you cited it um, here in your article uh, yeah. in July. So tell us a little bit more about that. The court case alleges that this contaminant DNA comprises a genetically modified organism, but not just the contaminant DNA, that these uh, vaccines, these mRNA Um, I say vaccines in inverted commas, um, have GMOs in the form of the contaminant DNA, but also the mRNA LNP complexes. So the LNP is the lipid nanoparticles that that have packaged within them the mRNA, which is modified mRNA or modified RNA, sorry, which the Nobel Prize was just awarded to the scientists who developed the modification, actually. So it's a synthetic mRNA. It's not what you would just find in nature. That's the bit that's stimulating your body to make the spike protein. So they're alleging that these both form GMOs and that our regulator in Australia that is supposed to oversee GMOs never approved these products. I mean, or rather that um, Pfizer and Moderna never applied for a licence to the GMO regulator and therefore have never received the appropriate licence for it, which is a criminal offence to distribute these. If, if, if what they're saying is true, then it's a criminal offence. So they're seeking an injunction to stop the distribution immediately. So that remains to be seen whether they'll win. Yeah, so that case has been put up by uh, there's a lawyer called Julian Gillespie who's very across the background science and Katie Ashby Coppins. Who we know here well at yeah. Reality Check Radio. So that case, is that still in, that's still in process or is yeah. it adjourned? No, it's still in process. Yeah, no, it's still going. It's, uh, it was filed in the federal court this year, but we don't have much of an update past that yet. Going back to McKernan and Buckholz, where are they at now with this information? Because, of course, so far, any other scientist, doctor or professional that has popped their head above the parapet to try and raise or ring a bell of alarm around these vaccines has been quite roundly cancelled with yeah. the wider scientific community. Now, you know, three years is a long time in the world of COVID. So what about these two? Where are they at on that scale? Have they managed to avoid cancellation or what is the what are the peers saying about so Buckholz said that he wasn't expecting his um 
testimony in the Senate to go so as viral as it did because it really did. And he backpedaled hard as soon as the um, as soon as it went viral. And you know, oh, so naive. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's understandable that he did backpedal. He didn't backpedal on his findings to his credit at all, but he just really laboured the fact that he's pro the platform and, you know, we can prove this but we can't prove that, which is good actually because he's not, you know, encouraging this hysterical, like we don't have proof yet that this is genomically integrated. So Mm -hmm. it's really important to stress that, that that's not what's been proven. What's been proven and, you know, has been reproduced in multiple labs is that the potential is there. Mm. You know, with the contaminant, with mm. the contamination, and then the body of literature that shows that when you do have contamination like this, it can genomically integrate. It's just the potential, really, that's been proven. So he's been very keen to emphasize that and to just keep emphasizing that he's pro the platform and so on and so forth. But he did say in the Senate hearing that he won't be taking any more shots unless he tests it first for contamination, which I think is smart. Kevin McKernan's just more candid. He's um. He's got a bit of that Peter McCullough energy about him, Dr. Peter McCullough energy, where he just says it how he sees it, um, which is very refreshing. So he's been doing a lot of interviews, has been very public with it. His uh, work is independent and and quite actually unrelated to the vaccines. He, any stuff to do with the vaccines, he's doing pro bono at the moment. So I, I don't think he's got so much to lose because he doesn't have tenure to lose and he Mm. doesn't he's not going to lose a project over it because he's his business is medicinal it is is like genomic science related to medicinal cannabis so it's it's actually quite unrelated really to this yeah well it's certainly an unfolding story and we will stay in touch over this as it does unfold Uh, thank you for joining me this has been rebecca barnett from the spectator magazine and as i said we will make sure that we have a link to this article with the lovely liz so just text us at 2057 or actually even better an email inbox at realitycheck.radio and we can get that out to you and you mentioned your Substack, rebecca where you've got more information tell us where they can find that yeah, so it's news.rebeccabarnett.com.au and my name's spelled a little bit weird. It's R-E-B-E-K-A-H and then Barnett, B-A-R-N-E-T-T. So news.rebeccabarnett.com.au. But if you put my name in Google or my Substack's actually called Dystopian Down Under, so you can also Google that and it should come up. Excellent. Oh, look, thank you for your time this morning and more here still to come with Reality Check Radio with Marie. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.